It is Wednesday night, April 6, 2022, and you are live across the Wrestling Inc. universe, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, Facebook, or the audio-only channels. Whatever it is, it's all good because it's all happening just here for you. It is time for our Wednesday night post-AEW Dynamite and Wrestling News Headline Show. I am Justin Labar here on the East Coast, being joined by my partner in crime on the West Coast. He is Forbes.com's Alfred Kinoa. Alfred, how are you tonight? Doing great. That was a main event countdown. I'm ready to go, man. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I I said, Raj, what do you think of this? He goes, let's go. Let's do it. You know, get, get a pump. It gives time for everybody to get that alert on their device at the show yeah. start. They don't have to miss out on any of the opening comments. Uh, yeah, get you hyped. Get you feeling right. Awesome. How was your Mania weekend? It was a great, very busy. But uh, when I watched the shows in terms of Mania, I think it delivered. I had fun watching both shows. I thought not only the big matches, but there were some other matches additionally that maybe I wasn't as excited about going into it that I thought were incredible. I, I really love this two-night mania. They really figured out this two-night formula, and I'm here for it. Yeah, and I thought both nights they, uh, you know, they didn't. I thought they would do the more traditional thing with mania where they start really hot with something, cool you down, bring you back up to the middle point, bring you down. They kind of like top-heavy did. They kind of like mm -hmm. really made you build uh, and hang on to the things that you knew you had to see. And then the things that maybe you didn't know if you wanted to see, like Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn, it exploded with fun. So, yeah, I agree. I think I think the best uh, compliment that you could give about Mania is uh, it's two nights, and you could say either one was your favorite night, and I wouldn't fight you over it. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I um, And I did notice that on both nights. It's not something you always see with WWE. They did, you could argue, build the matches in order of importance to where, it, you know, you don't necessarily usually see that. It's usually manipulative to where they're maybe going to give one of their top matches away first. But I like this more traditional build. I thought that was really good. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so, again, uh, all kinds of stuff that went on this past weekend for WrestleMania. If you missed any of it, you can go back to WrestlingInc.com, check out some of the news headlines. There was podcasts every single night. Uh, I was half of a person Sunday night trying, trying to grab my voice, but still, uh, Jimmy and Raj did a, <laughs> did a phenomenal job uh, holding up and carrying me through the match, so to speak. A lot of great stuff started on Friday, I believe. Alfred, you, you and Glenn, Friday night, correct? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Post-Smackdown. Post in our tuxedos as well. In your tuxedo oh, Hall of Fame. you gotta got be, <laughs> yeah. to be dapper. So all kinds of stuff. If you missed any of it, go back in the archive. If you missed any of it or, and are wondering how you did, how, how you missed it, well, this is me saying, Go subscribe to the Wrestling Inc. channel. Again, whatever device, whatever channel, whatever your preference, get the subscriptions. That way you never miss an alert for a live or archived episode. Uh, we got a lot to get into tonight. Obviously, AEW Dynamite stacked with a pay-per-view caliber card, as the commentators even talk about on paper at the early part of the show. We'll go into all that. But there are some very spicy and dicey news headlines. Uh, let's start positive uh, because we're not going to have too much positive to talk about here. But let's start positive. Of course, the long-awaited uh, free agent Cody Rhodes did make his WWE return, being Seth Rollins' opponent at WrestleMania. And PW Insider has reported that already Cody Rhodes, a top merchandise mover with his T-shirts that went on sale this past weekend at WrestleMania, as well as the Superstar Access. Uh, so any surprise here that within... 72 hours, Cody's already top of the charts? No, not a surprise, especially given the dynamic of Cody. I've always believed in Cody. He's one of my favorites. And when I actually saw the merch, I thought it was really cool merch. There's not too much wrestling merchandise that you would want to wear in public. And I think they did a good job in terms of taking their time and, and making this merch something that 
feels like I think it transcends that. Uh, I really think they did a good job. And there's a lot of excitement around Cody Rhodes. All indicators, whether it's the raw rating, whether it's YouTube videos that did twice the amount that Stone Cold Steve Austin's return did, whether it's this merch. I mean, they have no choice but to push Cody Rhodes. And so, so far, so good in terms of this experiment. Yeah, and you said that's a good kind of barometer. It's like, is it a wrestling shirt that you wear in public? And, you know, if you take a look, I'm looking specifically at um, the WWE shop uh, tweet that they put out. Uh, on April 4th, and, and they're showing yeah. Cody. Cody's wearing one, and they're showing a couple of the designs and a mix of uh, some kind of old video, you know, like an old Nintendo kind of video game feel. There's also the American Nightmare with the crown and uh, the red, white, and blue. And yeah, I mean, it definitely looks like something that you could walk into a, you know, a trendy store. It, it looked like a graphic tee that would still be yeah. acceptable in 2022. So yeah. we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised either. Cody making a huge impact, huge, huge amount of buzz, as you noted. Uh, across all the metrics on social media and uh, videos. Some more news in the WWE universe, also stemming down, stemming down to NXT, is reportedly there could be a call-up for Imperium, but it would not be all three members as it currently stands. The talk right now, according to Fightful Select, is that uh, I, I just I just want to call him Walter. Let's say Walter. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't fault you. <laughs> I mean, what do you call him? I mean, he's Gunther. Like, I'm slowly starting to call him Gunther, but we switch back and forth. I mean, he still feels like a Walter. All right. Well, so they're saying Gunther. Uh, Gunther and um, um, uh, Barthol would be potentially called up, but Fabian Eichner would not be. Uh, but they're saying that Gunther could go up, and they could go up to the main roster. So no real word. This is, again, Fightful Select is saying this is what they've uh, heard being pitched uh, around. Again, nothing official until it happens on TV, of course. But... Um, I mean, I guess why they would only bring two, not three of them, I, that I don't know. But mm-hmm. not a surprise that at the very least, Guthrie would be getting called up. And again, as we've discussed, this NXT 2.0, certainly a more linear and proper training ground for the Raw and SmackDown lay of the land. So as we're seeing with Braun Breaker, we shouldn't be surprised as we start to see names maybe more regularly in, uh, you know, moving through that revolving door to get to the next level. Yeah, and Gunther Walter is one of the people who's overqualified to be in NXT. It kind of makes sense if they are calling him up from the standpoint of, I was shocked that they gave away Gunther versus Braun Breaker, and they actually gave away the clean finish with Braun Breaker winning. I thought that would be the next pay-per-view match they were going to build to, or special TV event, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, But maybe they're wrapping up Walter, and they're sending him to the main roster. Um, And I wouldn't have a problem with him going to the main roster. I do think it's weird that they want to get two out of the three members of Imperium because I think that act is much better when all three of them are together. I really don't care about Imperium as a tag team. I like Walter and I think he's very good as a single and his matches are great, but I think it's better for his mystique when he's with the other two members of Imperium. So uh, it'll be weird to see them two instead of three. Well, and if they do bring two and not three of Imperium up, uh, unless you add to the NXT version of Imperium, you're now taking a tag team away. And speaking of tag teams being taken away from NXT for at least the time being, we get into one of the first uh, of the real controversial and ugly um, stories to talk about here in, the, in this opening news block, and that is Nash Carter, one half of MSK. Uh, Nash Carter has been released as of today, according to Fightful Select. This coming off of days of um, controversial posts on social media, Nash Carter's wife, also pro wrestler uh, and former Chikara Grand Champion Kimberly. Kimberly took to social with photos alleging uh, physical and emotional abuse courtesy of her husband, Nash Carter, even accused him of holding anti-LGBTQ views. 
Um, so just some real, real heavy allegations and, and heavy stuff being posted by her. Obviously, she's gotten a certain way with support. She's also gotten questioned by you know, Nash Carter supporters and then kind of stemming from the real life angle stuff. Nash Carter's uh, tag team partner, Wes Lee, his wife, I believe uh, she jumped on um, and, 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 and basically said this is this is this is fa- Kimber's accusations are false. And th- this thing is messy, but it's to the point, Alfred, that NXT WWE has done, we assume some due diligence, some investigation that has at least led them for now to release one half of, of one of the most popular tag teams they have. Um, what do you make of this? Yeah, I want to see what due diligence was done and if that is why WWE released Nash Carter because I have found, I mean, the Speaking Out story is one of the more ugly chapters of pro wrestling, but there were a lot of issues and instances, and I think a precedent was set even, of WWE going with guilty until proven innocent. I mean, there were cases where they did do their due diligence for people didn't find anything, but because of the optics, they felt the need to release people. And so I really don't feel that is fair, but um, WWE does not do controversy. And when they are involved with this wrestler who's one of their prominent champions and top stars and a nationally televised product, it was kind of a drip, drip, drip to where WWE kind of, you know, you could argue if they overreacted, but I'm waiting to see what came out and what they felt they saw that justified them releasing Nash Carter. But I would just as not be surprised if this was just WWE, you know, kind of taking precautions and releasing him in case all of this stuff is true. Maybe so. That that would be arguably maybe a different approach than what others would say should or didn't happen when there was allegations and, and speculation around Velveteen Dream. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, even in the, in the in the movement against, uh, well, I guess Riddle was technically, I think, on the Raw and SmackDown roster at that point, but uh, it wasn't NXT. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is them moving quicker than we've seen in other situations in the last two years, and I feel like in this situation with Nash Carter, I mean, I feel like there's more vocal support and pushback to the accuser in Kimberly. Not that, she, not that I'm not saying that means that she's wrong. Right. But in a lot of the other situations, it was very all one-sided chatter of pointing finger, pointing finger, pointing finger. Not a lot of people coming to the defense uh, of the wrestler in question. But in this case, you know uh, that there has been some pushback on, on of of the of, of second guessing um, the the, uh, the 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 Kimber's accusation. So this is a you know wrestling Inc. will continue to have the story in this. So this is um one of the more unfortunate ones. And the, obviously the, yeah. the, the the real life health and safety is a number one, but just thinking about it just in the pro wrestling arena, it's one of the tricky things about being in a tag team. Now, uh, Wesley is, you know, what's he doing? You know, now, yeah. now, now your career has all of a sudden just been upended. And they are a tag team. It's not like they just put them together like a Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty situation where one of them's groomed for singles. And, you know, who knows if that happens in the future, but MSK came in as a package deal. They did a great job. Um, and, Impact Wrestling as a tag team um, with Trey Miguel even as a three-person right. unit. So, you know, it's going to be tough for Wesley to have to go it alone. He's not used to that, and that's not his forte, even though he's extremely talented. Yeah, uh, so we'll, again, keep an eye on it, WrestlingInc.com, all the way around the clock every day of the week. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that very uh, controversial and potentially heartbreaking situation. And then as much as this, the other overarching story we have to look at is WWE in this current climate when they're 
cutting costs at every corner. It's like we've seen situations where there's a minor controversy with Greg Hamilton even, which yeah. who knows what was behind that. Okay, there's two sides of that story too. He got his ass released because he caused some minor drum up that uh, you would figure was just kind of a silly thing. So WWE doesn't want any of the wrestlers bringing that type of attention to them, and they'll, they don't need an excuse to cut these guys. Well, <laughs> and, you know, uh, yeah, and if you provide them with a reason that they can give, other than what they have to give every quarter, which is yeah. budgetary cuts. If you can give them a reason of behavior uh, or, or, or something like that, then yeah, you know, if they, if they were looking to maybe cut you anyways because they thought you were a little heavy on the budget, and now they can give another excuse and put the put the blame on you. Yeah, um, yeah very good point. Uh, so, again, keep an eye on that. Uh, last story, maybe, the, maybe I don't want to say the most unfortunate because like that last one was as well, but this one just, just aggravates the hell out of me, I've heard. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, Sonny, uh, real name Tammy Sitch, uh, was allegedly involved in a fatal three-car crash in Florida. This happened back on March 25th, so it's just kind of making public now. But according to the Ormond Beach Police, they're saying that Sitch failed to stop around 8.28 p.m. while driving southbound on US-1, and she crashed into a stopped vehicle. That vehicle then crashed into the vehicle in front of it. The driver of the vehicle hit by Sitch was identified as Julian LaFrancis Lassiter, of Daytona Beach Shores, who was then transported to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. Uh, now, Stitches, she has been on probations. I mean, she has been arrested in, just in the last 10 years more than a dozen times. Many of them stem from all the similar behavior of driving under the influence or, or then and then doing it again while on probation, suspended license. Alfred, this is the first one that's involved in fatality. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. This is extremely sad, this story. But to your point, I mean, how many stories have you heard about Sunny in terms of these negative stories where she's getting arrested, in and out of jail? And this was always the danger of just letting her in and out of jail and her really seemingly not having a support system to be able to rehabilitate, which I think is its own tragedy. And so now you see a casualty involved in this. And this is always a danger in just letting her back onto the streets without any effort to rehabilitate her because she clearly has a problem and she was clearly going to continue to have this behavior until that problem is resolved. So, I mean, I just think this is so sad in terms of how her uh, life has really turned out post WWE. Yeah. And, and, and look, I, I, I agree, you know, it, I'm sure there's a, a real component here of a lack of real support group of people that genuinely care about her that aren't, you know, leeching off her or whatever. I, that, that probably is a, it actually, that's probably a real fact of this. But the fact, like you said, the fact that, I mean, she's, this is not a second chance, third chance. This is, we are way beyond that. You know, I mean, like, and in this day and age, there's Uber, there's Lyft. I mean, you can get a cab literally by the push of a button of your phone and they'll know where to take you or they'll know where to take you home. 30 bucks, depending on where, I mean, you know, like she's a, I don't Start, start a GoFundMe, start an OnlyFans with all the profits going strictly to the the account for your ride service. Like if if you want to keep drinking and do what you're doing, whatever that's that's her life, that's her business. But don't get behind the wheel where you're gonna, where you, now you can hurt somebody else. That that's just what pisses me off about this. Is like, how did this happen? How does she just keep getting put out in a situation where she can get behind the wheel? That's true. And I think part of this is, you know, everything you're saying is true, but I think Sonny, Tammy Lynn Stitch is beyond logic or whatnot. She's got some serious problems that I don't think she's in a position to sit down and think about what the smart way to go about her business is. I think she needs real help. She's needed help for 
close to a decade now. When I started covering wrestling, I remember having to cover a story about a pretty bad story about uh, Sunny in terms of her legal situation. So this is something that has, you know, I've been familiar with. Every wrestling fan has been familiar with her legal troubles uh, for over a decade now, and uh, I, she just has some mental problems that she needs to tackle and somebody needs to at least put her in position to to be able to do that because she's not somebody who needs to be out and about with you know the regular people in the streets it's just not working for her no so uh again much like the last one uh sad story but we'll uh wrestling will continue to follow all the developments for that all right so that was your news block let's get ready to get here in a moment in the aw dynamite of course we are in the first dynamite of april it's spring but it's springtime so fellas have you started your spring cleaning yet the carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in the below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other four million men worldwide, two of them right here, who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with that wonderful code WINC20. And Alfred, I know you love the manscaped and, and pick it back up here again springtime you know we've talked about all the shaving whether it's doing the shaving above the waist just to make sure you're looking fine for the podcast looking fine for work or if you're doing below the waist because it's time to make sure you're keeping yourself up right there and you know you got alfred's got his waiting room yeah. you know fellas you might have valentine's day you might have that special birthday head to toe manscaped is there for you they had the full package of all the cleaning we talked about the performance package 4.0 with all the wonderful tools you start off your spring cleaning using that lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges and of course did i ever mention it's waterproof yeah i've mentioned it before but i want to remind you waterproof is that beautiful lawnmower 4.0 no need to worry about water in your grass with this tool equipped with an led light so you know it will be a major asset in the new shower routine uh i mean wonderful uh, technology with all of their uh all their tools, and of course, they have the crop preserver, the crop reviver, uh, making sure that you're smelling good, nothing funky going on down there. They got the deodorant from under the armpits. It's all there. Finish off the grooming with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using the lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and on your face, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. All right. So they got two separate ones to make sure the job gets done. So again, spring cleaning time, it's never too late. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code WINC20, save 20%, plus get that free shipping right to your door and beautiful, discreet, but awesome packaging. Absolutely love Manscaped. Love the Manscaped. Love the Manscaped. All right. Uh, let's get into uh, some AEW Dynamite. How, what do you say? Yeah. Um, they kick off coming to you from Beantown, and immediately the Adam Cole music hits, and the place goes banana. Uh, Adam Cole out there for the first time ever in a singles meeting against. Christian Cage. Christian Cage, a rare Alfred uh, Dynamite singles match for him. Rare singles match. He's only had three matches in 2022. Is that a fact? Yeah, wow. one on Dynamite, one on pay-per-view, one on Rampage. So, in national television, but not very much wrestling for Christian in 2022. All right. So, that kind of, you know, even more so right there brings kind of the attention to this. Uh, you know, in this match, uh, back and forth match, uh, crowd, you know, they, they just, they, they're just playing along with Adam Cole. They're, they're going crazy for Adam. Then when he's doing the heel tactics, they're they're booing him, but they want to cheer. As we've talked about, uh, this ends in an eye poke, and then Adam Cole lowers the boom. So Adam Cole gets the win. And again, I couldn't help but tweet something similar to kind of like what you tweeted about Pat McAfee about WrestleMania, which is if you just happen to tune on tune in, not having much context of anything, 
Pat McAfee looks like he's the biggest star in WWE. Adam Cole looks like he is the number one babyface in AEW. I did think that, especially during his entrance, where, I mean, this is a great crowd, by the way, and uh, they're red hot for his entrance, the boom, the Adam Cole baby, he definitely always comes off as a big star, and I thought this was a perfect match, by the way. I just, I think they need to get more Christian more ring time, and I think that's going to be the plan, because later on in the night, it looked like he might be turning heel, but, uh, you know, we can get to that when we do. I thought this was great. These two wrestled a great match in Adam Cole's, uh, it wasn't his debut match, but one of his first matches, I believe, was against Christian, and that was a really good match, and I thought this was, too. And so we're going to get the big news coming out of this after the match. Red Dragon's going to come out. They're going to start to attack. Jungle Express is going to come out to even the odds. Here comes Hangman Page, who gets on the mic and in the face of Adam Cole. He, he misspeaks. He uh, actually says dynamite. What he means to say is that they're going to have a live rampage a week from this Friday. So nine days, a live rampage from Texas. And so he says, Adam Cole, you want this title shot so bad. We're going to do it in Texas, live on rampage, Texas death match alfred uh, you know tony's tony khan's been in recent interviews mm-hmm. kind of talking about he's gonna get rampage pumped back up he wants to prove it to me you want to make it must see make something must see happen what would be more must see happen than adam cole finally winning the AEW world title in a texas death match that's what I think is going to happen. I, I, that's all I could think about was Tony Khan's. And, you know, inside baseball here, this got bumped from the news story because we just had so much to cover. But I did want to talk about Tony Khan's comments that he wants to load up Rampage again. They've been doing some pretty poor numbers. Uh, they've been flirting with record lows for weeks now. Um, you can blame the time slot changes here and there. But Rampage just is not must-watch television. And if Tony Khan wants to ramp it up, it's not only this match. They're going to do Brian Danielson and Wheeler Yuta. And I do think they're going to have a title change on this Rampage nine days from now really uh, make this a show that's on a level of dynamite yeah because i mean I don't, i'm hoping he's starting to see this and again when you when you love wrestling as much as he does and when you love your product that you are fully invested in uh, financially emotionally and otherwise i get it you might get so close to it that you're like oh well i'm putting on these quality matches surely that's got to make this rampage always must see no 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 quality matches are great but if it's a quality match but it's a tape show, and I know there's nothing that's going to be pivotal about the storylines. Maybe I'm not staying up till 10 o'clock to watch it. But if you tell me i got to tune in because it's live, and there's a title match that has a very good chance of changing hands, and oh, by the way, it's the guy getting it that has come in and has just been a blaze of, of babyface uh, you know, attention, while even though he's being booked as, on the heel side of the fence. Start doing things like this. You, you have my attention, and I will start to put some more respect in my mouth about Rampage. So I hope that's what they're going to do. If they don't do that, then I think you just all of a sudden you just put yourself backwards. All of a sudden it's just a, a little tease. Hey, come watch it, but no follow through. Yeah, if you if you need a jolt in the show, you got to go all the way. It's got to come off as something that you you need to see and changing your biggest title. And listen, this does not come off as hot shotty because we've been talking for weeks actually about if you're looking forward into the AEW booking trajectory, it looks like CM Punk is going to get that title down the line. And I would much more likely see it being against Adam Page than um, or Adam Cole than Adam Page. No, you're right, and that's that's what makes it not seem hot shot. And is that because you've had Punk out there saying he wants a title shot? So it's kind of like, all right, again, I always talk about you know pay per views as the checkpoint, um, which it is to a degree. But AEW is not afraid to do world, world title matches on the weekly shows, which is fine. I actually think that's something that you know I wouldn't mind WWE doing a little more every now and again. But nonetheless. Uh, yeah, it, so it's like, all right, if, if you know that you want Punk to be involved in a world title match potentially by double or nothing, you got to figure out which, you know, who you want him facing it for. And if, and if Adam Cole's the bigger match, which I think it is, then somewhere between now and double or nothing, Adam Cole is going to become champion. So I like how this is setting up. 
I just worry that it's going to become a, a big a big setup and there won't be the follow through. But we'll see uh, nine days from now. One of the other big names coming in uh, under the Tony Khan uh, payroll now is Samoa Joe. He made his uh, debut uh, this past weekend in the Ring of Honor show, but we know that he's now also elite. So Samoa Joe, fair game to be in Ring of Honor or AEW again, all Tony Khan funded. And we see Samoa Joe up against Max Caster. This is an own heart qualifying Max match. <laughs> Max Caster in his rap <laughs> referencing X Division, Samoa Joe being injury prone, and the fact they beat when Samoa Joe was champion in XT, they beat him in ratings. Spicy. This bar for bar, one of his best. I, I mean, just for because usually they're set up in the punchline, but every bar hit for me with this one. I thought Max Castro was incredible in this freestyle, saying that he plays with himself because of the towel. <laughs> he just, he disrespect, he violated Samoa Joe tonight. And I like the cutaways they kept doing to Joe after each, after each <laughs> bar. And Joe couldn't do anything, but all, all he could do is smile and laugh at it. Yeah. He's like, oh, I guess you, you've got a point there. <laughs> Uh, Joe's getting up winning this. Uh, so not really a surprise here, but Joe gets the win, at least in the match. Max Caster gets the win on the mic. So Joe is, uh, he qualifies for the Owen Hart tournament, which is going to start, I believe, May 11th. So, uh, as we pick up here in the qualifying, uh, Samoa Joe, I mean, I don't, we, obviously, we don't know the whole bracket, but just saying Samoa Joe, who's a new signee for Tony Khan, who's in this tournament, uh, you got to immediately put him as a, a potential favorite, uh, to come in and win a tournament like this. Yeah, I think I think it's a tournament he could win, and then they could use that as the reason why he's a number one contender for a world title shot. I don't know if they've mentioned a stipulation as to what the winner gets in this tournament, but that'd be a good way to go. Maybe they make it for the TNT title, but you know, using this to either heat up Samojo or you know, you do a fine. I know Jay Lethal is is out there. I wonder if Jay Lethal is going to get in this tournament. You know, and build to Jay Lethal versus Samoa Joe. So we'll see. Yeah, and you mentioned Lethal. They uh, show backstage Lethal and Sonya Dutt cutting a promo on Joe. Saying they respect Joe more than Joe respects them. Jay Lethal noting how Samoa Joe is his teacher, his original mentor. And uh, next week, uh, Jay Lethal's got a present. They're in New Orleans. He's got a present for his teacher. So not what that is. Not sure what that is there. But uh, uh, Jay Lethal and uh, Samoa Joe obviously makes a lot of sense. Ton of history there. So uh, very logical. Uh, you know, first couple of weeks here for Samoa Joe in AEW. We get Sean Spears, MJF's on commentary. Sean Spears coming out against Captain Sean Dean. Now, big history here is that Sean Dean did get a victory over MJF earlier this year. Uh, so uh, MJF and company have a little bit of spite against Captain Sean Dean. And uh, while this is going on, we see Wardlow once again just tearing through the top-notch Cracker Jack security at <laughs> AEW's arena here in Boston. Uh, he gets all the way to the barricade, just destroying a barricade with a, the body of a security guard. That provides enough distraction to get Sean Dean's uh, ability to roll up Sean Spears. So another win for Captain Sean Dean. MJF and Sean Spears are just going nuts. Later in the night, Alfred, we get a promo from MJF backstage. Uh, he challenges Sean Dean next week. He's going to take care of him. He's going to avenge that loss he had to him. He also dares Wardlow. Dares him. So uh, we're building this. This thing, This I mean, this MJF Wardlow, I don't know how long they're going to hold this all for until the payoff, but it feels like maybe one of the biggest money matches they ever have had just by the sheer length of time they have slow built this. And and, and we want to see MJF get it or uh, uh, Warlow get his hands on MJF. Yeah, I feel bad for the AEW production team that's going to have to cut the video together <laughs> to build this match up because they're going to have a lot of material to work with. And uh, I always think it's funny that Warlow, it's, it, they do a great job with Warlow in these action hero sequences. 
where he's just going because it could really they risk it looking silly but it always looks pretty badass and the people are here for it i think that really helps but it's always funny that he gets to like the frontline security always are the ones that hold him back they're like the military police that are able to hold him back after he runs through everybody else uh, they're like the crime bill police i guess who are able to hold him back where he's not able to get to the front. And I think that helps in terms of people wanting to see him attack MJF. So this is good for Sean Spears. I like the side story of Captain Sean Dean being undefeated against the pinnacle. They're, yeah. they're usually technicalities where it's like he got uh, the GTS or he got a roll-up or maybe he'll get a countdown. But I like that they're bringing it up. I also like that they finally told me what he's a captain of. I had no idea he had a military background. This is something that I would have liked to learn about him before. But good for Sean Dean. I like it. Uh, yeah, and back to the Wardlow part, you're right. It actually, he legit tears through the security, you know, the, the local independent <laughs> talent. And really, this week and last week, he does not get restrained and pushed backwards until it is the actual police that is armed with yeah. weapons. So it does take, I mean, I like that little touch. It does take the armed security guards or armed law enforcement to get uh, the man with war in his name, uh, treading, uh, you know, pedaling backwards. So, um, I mean, what is the timeline, do you think? You know, we're in early April now, so we're coming up in a month, for, you know, a little over a month until Double Enough. I mean, do they hold this until – is this one that you just at this point, you've yeah. built this this long, you slow burn as long, you make people pay in Vegas to see this? A thousand percent. You can't convince me, well, you know, we got to give this away. You've been holding this off for like two years. What's another month? They absolutely should be – pegging this for double or nothing. I think that'd be a, a good story. Plus, they still have plenty of time to tell the story as to why Wardlow would be allowed back in AEW to fight MJF. So that, in and of itself, can take a month to tell. <laughs> you mean you don't want to put it on Rampage? <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, I know they want to heat up Rampage, but <laughs> not that much. Like This is a match people could pay to see. Very good. Uh, yeah, and then you know, next week they're in New Orleans. Week after that, they're... Uh, well, next week for Dynamite, they're in New Orleans. Rampage live in Texas, and then... The following dynamite, they are, I uh, believe, here in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, obviously, they always build heavy around Dr. Britt Baker and Wardlow, given their their roots here. So maybe we'll get a big turning point in the storyline um, there when they get here to Pittsburgh on April 20th. They show us earlier, uh, Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz, battling backstage with the Jericho Appreciation Society, at least some of them, uh, until Jericho and company run off and get picked up by the getaway car. And then we get uh, Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz come out, cut a very fiery promo, as they're known to do, and they challenge him to a six-man match next week in New Orleans. Uh, so pretty pretty straightforward dry cut here, but this is going to be one of the big points next week in New Orleans is finally see uh, a formal match uh, between Jericho's Appreciation Society and Santana, Ortiz, and Eddie Kingston. Uh, good promo, Eddie Kingston, from the heart. I freaking love, I was about to cuss right now. I love Eddie Kingston. It's it's not easy because a lot of your your goal is as a babyface, especially to act like you're you're a badass. You have to portray that character. So a lot of them, I mean, Eddie Kingston is so good at naturally just coming off like a badass because he is. He's about that life. And him saying that it's on site, he's going to show up to your house. He just always knows what to say in terms of not making it sound like a brother, brother, brother pro wrestling promo. And like, wow, this guy's going to kill somebody. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, he mentioned Daniel Garcia. You know, boy, I know where you live. You think I'm not going to show? Like, you're right. He, I mean, it, you know, it, it, he truly is. Um, <clears throat> there's been a very short list of people in wrestling in the last uh, 20, 25 years uh, since it's become more sports entertainment. There's a very short list of people who you legit go, you know, they really would not survive in the WWE environment, mm -hmm. you know, because they are just so real. Uh, and that's like their best. Like, you know, like I, I kind of put it like, Kind of like New Jack. You know, when New Jack was alive, New Jack was one of those few people. It's like, 
you, know, you figure, okay, everybody can end up working for Vince. Everybody can end up in WWE. Everybody goes there eventually. The page's too good. It's the top of the mountain. It's like, nah, New Jack's one of those guys. He's taking a last there. That, that, that won't work. He's too, he's too New Jack. He is not going to allow anybody, much less a 70-something-year-old Vince McMahon, to write <laughs> what New Jack's life is about. I kind of put Eddie Kingston in the same regard. I don't think I don't think Eddie Kingston's ever had justified homicides, but nonetheless, I put him in that same category of you're just not going to have a writing team write for Eddie Kingston, and if you try to tell him what to say, it's probably going to end pretty bad. Yeah, I throw the Briscoes in that category too. We just saw yeah. them at WrestleMania, but that's one of the reasons I've always, particularly with the Briscoes, I've always wanted to see them in WWE because of that reason. Because I know they'd be such fish out of water. I think they would really gravitate toward people, and people would, you know, kind of get behind them for however long they'd be able to stay in WWE. Because, you know, to your point, I don't know how long that relationship would be able to last. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've always, I guess, I've always wanted to see the Briscoes get their opportunity in the sense of like get that payday, you know. But I, I guess I've always kind of assumed pessimistically that if the Briscoes ended up in WWE, it wouldn't take long until they're they're like the new version of like the head shrinkers. They're, they're, they'll just be. They'll just be some island boys that, you know, they no sell headbutts, and they'll be wearing outfits that I, you know. I don't know. I just that I just Overalls. yeah. I don't know. It'll it'll yeah. it would it would be very un you know un, it would not be the authentic Briscoe. Right. But maybe maybe we won't find out. But hey, maybe they got you know got a uh, future here again under the Tony Khan uh, world. All right, table <laughs> tables match. Now I love me a tables match, <laughs> and I love me the Hardys. But I had a little trouble following the logic on this one, Alfred. Just you? I mean, that's <laughs> just me. I feel like they went out of their way to confuse us in this match. All right. So for those of you keeping score at home, let's try this. It's a t- it's a tables match, but it's an elimination tables match, <laughs> which means both competitors of a team must be put through a table, and they have to go through a table via an offensive move from their opponent. Okay. So Jeff is eliminated first. Jeff Hardy gets eliminated first by being put through a table. So he is then put through a table. They say that he's eliminated, but he's still out there. Bear with me. Uh, we then get the butcher. He's placed on the table. Matt Hardy does the second row leg drop through the table. So now Butcher's eliminated. So now in theory, it's just Matt Hardy versus Blade. But Butcher's still out there. So if Matt Hardy or Blade, one of them has to go through the table. But as I said, everybody's still out there. Uh, Matt Hardy takes a disgusting double team back body suplex from the guardrail onto the outside. It just, it looked all painful. Matt tries to do his run and jump. Looks like he slipped on sweat or beer or something. It just started, the wheels started coming off here. Finally, the finish is this. They get the blade on two tables. Jeff Hardy goes to the top of the ladder, as we've seen him do so many times, and do one of his insane swantons off of it. Jeff Hardy hits a swanton on the blade. Blade is now going to the table. Hardy's win. But Jeff Hardy was eliminated. Yeah. But he still delivers that offensive move. So Hardy's win. Do I have that correctly? You have that <laughs> correctly. I'm very impressed. And I hated this match. This is, listen, there's a very high bar for wrestling in AEW. Mm-hmm. This might be my pick for worst match of the year this far. In terms of, I'm not only just talking about the way it was wrestled. It was fine, whatever. It was even described as bullying shoe ugly by JR. And I didn't like, technically it was a pretty dangerous work match the way it was worked. And I didn't like all the rules. From the moment this match was announced, I had a bias against it. Because usually when they have to over explain what the match rules are, you know you're in for a little bit of a stinker in that 
the winner has to win with a non-offensive or you know an offensive maneuver. I was just like, oh god, because there were points where Matt Hardy would go through the table, but because it was a non-offensive, I hated it. I, I, I hated that. Yeah. And the whole elimination thing that you brought up too is a very confusing match to follow, and the logic was off. I didn't like anything about this. Yeah, I mean, if you're there live, the whole like if Hardy goes to the table, but it wasn't offensive, you're probably confused. But I guess for, for the million watching at home. You at least have commentary there to, to quickly explain that. So I'll, I'll I'll rest on the whole offensive move thing. I get that. Just don't say the elimination. Just say it's a tag team match, so both members of a team need to go to a table. Just say that. But they kept saying eliminated, eliminated, eliminated. It's like, well, if the guy is eliminated, he shouldn't be doing the move that 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 gets the victory for his team. Yeah. Um, I love the Hardys, and again, I love you know some big spots, and again, props to to Matt for taking that bump and. You know, Jeff, who's always being crazy, but yeah, this was just, this this got sloppy and it didn't help them that again, it was burdened by way too many uh, technical rules to follow. So, yeah, and, and a lot of people comparing this to like, oh, well, what about the Royal Rumble where you can go back and eliminate? I don't compare it to that because Jeff won the match by doing this. So this is like, if you got eliminated in front of the ref and got back in the ring and then won the Royal Rumble, right? You know, that, that to me <laughs> is the same logic in terms of this match. Right. No, I, you're exactly right. Uh, post-match. <clears throat> Andrade and family start coming down the ramp and then Sting's music hits. Sting, uh, you know, RBI doubles a few of them out of the way. Andrade <laughs> takes Bunny and, sh- and shields himself with Bunny. Uh, conspicuous by asses. No Darby. Did they say where Darby was? No, I was, I was surprised I didn't see Darby either, but there wasn't much that happened. It was just kind of the baby faces backing down the heels. So whatever. This is this is fine. It's kind of ran its course, right? I mean, like, it what else? Has. What else are we doing here? I mean, we saw the big eight-man... Schmaz a few weeks ago when Hardy jumped off the, 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 the concession stand. I mean, like, what you know, what's the... I don't know. I don't know what else there is to do. Hardy, Hardy broke away from Andrade and group. We brawled. Hardy and group won. Let's move on. Ever since that match, I've been thinking, oh, they're still doing this feud. And this has been weeks now. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, let's just, let's just... It was cool seeing Darby Sting and Hardy Stam together. Let's just let the Hardys now move into this, this awesome tag team division. Let's start thinking about more Hardys and Bucks. Hardy's and FTR, Hardy's and Jurassic Express. Let's start yeah. just lining all those fantasy matchups up. Uh, let's let's stop with this. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Jurassic Express, they do cut a promo backstage. This is before, right, right after, excuse me, Christian kind of, as you mentioned earlier, kind of tosses his ice pack and storms off. So maybe foreshadowing uh, a little uh, split there. Uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Express, so they challenge Red Dragon next week and are going to defend the tag title. So Alfred... There could be a possibility that next week through the AEW programming, Red Dragon could be tag champions and their boy Adam Cole could be world champion. That could all be a quick swing in a matter of a week. They are taking the Undisputed Era template from NXT when they were all champions and that worked in NXT and I think it's going to work in AEW in terms of you know Adam Cole building himself up as a good, strong heel champion to where then finally it'll be up the level of CM Punk is going to have to stop this guy. I think that's a much better story if Adam... Cole gets a stable and they're all champions and they're really this strong group. And I think it'll, because now we're talking AEW used to have these long world championship reigns. We're potentially talking Paige, Cole, and Punk all being champions in like a two month reign. So to build uh, Adam Cole as this OP champion with the stable, I think is important so that he can actually have some credibility when he loses it uh, so soon after. I agree. All of them having titles would make a much more ominous gauntlet for cm punk and, and i and i think jurassic express it was a good feel-good moment when they won it but i feel like their tag title run is you know it, it's been what it's been and I, it's yeah, it's time to 
you know, wh- whether the plan all along was for them to drop it at this point or not, doesn't matter. You go with what's hot right now, what makes sense. And I think the direction they're moving in, as we discussed, Adam Cole should become world champion. His boys should have the tag titles. They should start to run, you know, run AEW. I think it makes the most sense. So, yeah, this is another one. This is taking a place on Dynamite, not Rampage, but it's another one of these things next week where I'm watching it closely. If they don't do it, I'm going to be scratching my head of, well, why did we even tease it then? Yeah. Uh, we get an uh, Owen Hart qualifier on the women's side. We get Hikaru Shida up against Julia Hart. Now, Julia Hart, <clears throat> for all intents and purposes, her, of course, there with uh, Brian Pillman and and, and Garrison. Um, she's been a babyface, still wearing that eye patch, uh, courtesy of the Miss from Malachi Black months ago at this point. But Julia Hart, immediately uh, as a heel, starts attacking Sheeta before the bell even rings, uh, just being very uh, sneaky. Pillman and Garrison are screaming at her like, what are you doing? She kicks out her own teammates. She told her boys to go, yeah. uh, which that was pretty unprecedented. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so she has a back and forth match with Sheeta. Sheeta ultimately is going to get the win, even after Julia Hart trying to do some eye gouging and against some more dastardly heel tactics. Uh, Sheeta gets a win. Sheeta qualifies. But Julia Hart, she's the story in my mind here, is uh, a, a heel turn while she's still with the babyface stable. Yeah, I, I like that. I, th- I think this is very unique um, in terms of her kicking out her own team. And she did a good job. I think Julia Hart is like a natural babyface, but she showed something as a heel. I think this is her best match since being there. And it's a limited career. It's a very young career. She's extremely young and hasn't had a lot of experience. But, you know, you go in there with Hikaru Shida, and I think she was able to hang with her and, and do a good job. So this is good. I, I liked everything about this. I like the development of uh, Julia Hart. I like Hikaru Shida advancing and then even, you know, facing off with Serena Deep. So a lot of stories being told and characters being developed within this. Yeah, Deep tried to do a little sneak attack after the fact. Uh, Shida called her, so we just had to stare down Deep with the chair. <clears throat> Shida with the kendo stick. Um, yeah, so a couple different things happened. I also, I think I missed over it earlier, so I apologize. Jay Cargo did cut a quick promo on the stage. Uh, we're getting closer to her attempt for a 30th win. Uh, she's going to be up going up against uh, Marina Shafir, I believe. Yeah. Um, I, I think I might have stepped out of the room on this promo, which is why I didn't have a full note. Was there anything of note with the promo? Or was it just more hype in the match? I'll just say it was a really good promo. It was hyping the match. It was her saying she doesn't like these MMA athletes coming in. So I, I think uh, Jay Cargill and Paige might be down the road, which would be very interesting. I mean, AEW has an investment in Paige Van Zandt. So I think they should wait until they do that. But that'll be very interesting. But, you know, I thought Jay Cargill was great. And given how big of a needle mover she is, I would expect more live promos. I believe this is the first time she's had a live promo since her debut that first night where she basically had to memorize a long promo and do it. But she's come a long way. And I think they, her and Mark Sterling need to be on live TV cut promos because this is really good. Tony, cut the shit. Cut the shit. They, they, that's starting to get over, too. <laughs> the baddie section. Isn't it great how they're... They're two top women, and Jade and Britt both just tee off on Tony in totally yeah. different ways. I think that might be a good little subplot if Jade and Tony start getting friendly with each other, and you know maybe Britt Baker is say, "Hey, what the hell, Tony? Why you why you got to be friends with Jade? I thought we were friends." Yeah, just wait till the long away to match happens, and there's the contract sign, and Tony Schiavone's got to mediate the contract sign. <laughs> He'll have to go to therapy after that. Yeah, he will. That's awesome. All right, main event time. I finally agree. This has been a common bitch I've had in the last few weeks about Dynamite. I finally agree. They structured this the right order. This is the main event that should have been the main event of the show. Mm-hmm. So that was happy for me to see this. We get FTR, your AAA tag team champion since the fall, and now your newly crowned Ring of Honor tag team champions, courtesy of this past weekend. They defend these titles up against the Young Bucks. It's been 18 months since these two teams have had a match. 
I was kind of blocked the first one even out of my, you know, it was during the pandemic, empty arena. Um, it was a long, long awaited hype match to have for two teams that talked a lot of shit on social media that were in separate companies. But again, I kind of just tuned the last one out. This is the one I really give focus to for the tight for the for the multiple titles that are on the line, hot crowd, main event, FTR surging. Uh they, they still came out of the heel tunnel, but they're getting that babyface pop. They stood in the babyface corner facing the hard camera. You know, they are babyfaces. Uh they're kind of the same Adam Cole situation. They might still be on the heel side of the fence, but the crowd is ready just to throw them over on the face side of the fence. Uh very entertaining match. Uh Cool little fun note, Ring of Honor's uh, longtime ring announcer, Bobby Cruz. He does the ring introductions for this title match. It's a nice little touch there. Uh, just some couple high points here. We got the sharpshooters and stereo from FTR. Uh, the Young Bucks hit FTR's big ring on them. That was a big false finish. Another big false finish was the Bucks at the 450 in the moonsault. That still couldn't put them away. Uh, BTE trigger, but Wheeler gets his foot on the rope even after co- uh, referee Rick Knox technically hit the map for a three count, but they waved it off. Kind of similar to what we saw in WWE this past week. And finally, pretty cool finish here. FTR gives a taste of their own uh, medicine back to the box. They hit a BT trigger, little uh, little kiss on the cheek for them, and that BT trigger into their big rig for the victory and retaining uh, both of their tag team titles. Again, this crowd just all over uh, the FTR bandwagon here, loving FTR. This, you know, and of course we still wait for their for their manager. This had all the feels. This felt good. Uh, FTR, same trajectory as Adam Cole. This is just, you, you have this babyface act here. Embrace it. Yeah, you've got AAA and ROH. All they need is the AEW championships. They're a little late because they don't have the impact relationship, but I would figure that if they still did, FTR would win those too. I think the story they're telling is the best tag team in the world right now, or the best of all time. And I did like this match. Don't get me wrong. I thought this was a very excellent main event. I preferred their match from 18 months ago. I, I thought... Really? I really did. It's even though it was in front of like a thousand people, I just preferred that match. And I think it was stylistically. And here's what people miss about the Young Bucks. I think this is what's very underrated about the Young Bucks. They can wrestle really any style. And I think they went to where we're going to lean into being heels. We're not going to do as much flip flop and flying. The last match they had was built around FTR being no flips, just fists. And then them trying to do high spots cost them the match. And there were a lot of high spots in that match. And this was more Young Bucks being more grounded and wrestling the FTR style. This was a completely different match. And I think for a different sensibility, they might have uh, liked this match better. And I could argue, I can see why you would argue that this is better. I personally prefer when the Young Bucks are flying around and FTR are the hardened heels. I think that's the match made in heaven. This was good, but it just wasn't to me as enjoyable as the other way. Well, I mean, I mean that's a great counterpoint. You're right. When they when they fought the first time, it was they were positioned the way that the the way the, the way the feud came alive. The feud came alive, right? With FTRs, the no flips, just fists, guys in WWE, you know, trash talking the 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 new, the new generation of style that the Bucks do. Uh, so you're right. So the roles are kind of reversed. Um, I, I, again, I think, I guess maybe just the crowd and the, everything just has a big play yeah. in it. I just, now I just, again, seeing this, seeing FTR just come alive. I, I that, that just, I don't know. This, this felt, felt good to me, but that's a very fair point. You're right. This is a total 180 of what the, the beauty of the feud was built on. So, um, I guess bottom line, if you watch both matches, you should enjoy one of them. hundred <laughs> percent. It's like we were talking about with night one, night two. I'm not shitting on this match that we saw yeah. tonight, but I think these two teams, it's crazy that in 18 months they've had two matches. I think this is, but it's also really cool. It's kind of very, 
even Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair, they had like three matches in like the year. So even that it's behind. But I think these two should continue to have that epic rivalry because they're they're really good in terms of the chemistry they have together. And then if you look at the AEW tag team title situation, you know, if, if things start to play out the way that we're thinking, you know, if Red Dragon grabs the tag titles here shortly, uh, obviously they've been having an issue with the Bucks and you know Adam Cole stuck in the middle there. I mean, we could be setting ourselves up for a hell of a, at least a triple threat tag match of FTR, Bucks, and Red Dragon, where there are so many dynamics to play. You have, obviously, Red Dragon as your defending champions. You have FTR wanting to add to their belt collection. You have the Bucks with their problem with Red Dragon, but obviously don't want to see FTR add their company's tag titles. So a lot of dynamics there. And then, dare I say, if you want to just get really ballsy and add a fourth team, if you just add the Hardys in there just to play veteran spoilers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, tag team pedal picture for AEW really, uh, really heating up here. So uh, that was Dynamite. Uh, we'll give a, I'll give a quick kind of like final minute or two. If anybody has any uh, super chats they want to send in, uh, well, Alfred and I will get to them. But uh, overall, Alfred, uh, again, on paper, it was a, a stacked Dynamite. They're going to follow it up next week, both the Dynamite and Rampage. Um, so uh, April could turn into be a huge month for them uh, based upon where several of these uh, title pictures are, are, are headed. Yeah, I, I think by the time they start building Double or Nothing, it'll be a, a very different card in terms of who's champion, who's defending, who's chasing. So I think it's going to be a pretty big sea change within the next nine days, starting with Rampage. And hopefully, if they do pull that trigger with Rampage, you can't be the boy who cried wolf and then go back to Rampage just not mattering anymore. It's got to yeah. be a consistent thing where I'm not saying defend the title every week on that show, but from that point on, you got to treat Rampage like it's an hour-long episode of Dynamite if they really want to put a head of steam behind the show. Well, and I think the trouble's still going to be, you know, it works out that that Rampage is going to be live, so again, you can do that. But, you know, right, when they do go back to being taped, I mean, how many things are they willing to give away on a tape show? Some will argue that if you have a spoiler out that this is going to happen, some people do argue that it does kind of heighten the interest and people do tune in to see it actually happen. <laughs> but others will say that, why am I going to tune in if I, know, if I know the outcome? So I think Rampage, it's, it's, it's going to forever be the struggle here until they are. It's, it's just, I mean, look, learn from history. SmackDown's been around for 22 years. We, we learned a SmackDown until it was live every week. It just didn't see the viewership numbers. It never even got even. I mean, it was always the B show. Now mm-hmm. SmackDown is listed as the top show internally in WWE by many you know standards. So uh, until you can find a way to go live every week, I just think they're going to always be uh, always be battling that. want to bring up something. I see Bernie uh, uh, from D.C. talking about. He alerted me before we went on the air. Uh, apparently, Layla Hirsch was doing an uh, elevation match earlier. And it looks like she might have really hurt her knee. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Layla Hirsch, who's somebody uh, in the women's division, they were also starting to put some uh, momentum behind uh, just recently resurfacing her on TV. So uh, hopefully nothing too serious, but uh, seeing a lot of people chatting about that. Uh, Alfred, what's going on on Forbes.com for you? Uh, more coverage of Cody Rhodes' merch sales, um, coverage of AEW Dynamite from tonight. So check it out. I'll be really curious. Obviously, this won't be public, but he noted how this contract that he has with WWE you know, not simple, not straightforward, very long, very complex, what have you. I gotta imagine he's got a he's got a better merch deal than your average person. I hope at least. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got he even kind of nodded to where there's 
some complex it's the most complex contract in history and so i would imagine that he has I mean, there's producer credits in there where they're going to be doing a documentary on his father and yeah this is not your average contract and good for him this is you know scott hall has been on my mind a lot this is very similar of a dynamic to scott hall going to wcw they signed a different contract and it was one of those favored nations where it changed the business where everybody got more money so i do think long term i can't tell the details i don't know the details of what he signed but long term i think free agents coming into wwe are going to get better contracts and that's good that's a good thing the favor nations contract is one of the most unbelievable things ever i don't think you know i don't think vince would ever ever allow but uh, you know and for those who don't know what alfred's referencing when scott hall and kevin nash left wwe as razor and diesel in 96 their deal with wcw a favored nations clause which meant anybody else who came in and got new top money hall and nash then had to be compensated to be at least <laughs> equal with that same money so if uh, who came in after them? I'm trying to think like some somebody that jumped. Um, yeah. So if Bret Hart came yeah. in and Bret Hart got two million more than what they were getting, all of a sudden now they had to get pumped up two million to be on pace with him. Incredible deal. Incredible deal. <laughs> not so much for the employer. I'm sure you know, Tony, he's not a big fan of having to do that, but or WCW for that matter. But yeah, yeah. Because I mean, think about it. If if, if Cody had a favorite nations deal. MJF, grab board low, negotiate high. Come on in. <laughs> oh boy! All right, that's gonna do it for tonight. Again, big thanks to everybody uh, in the live chat and they were doing the watch party all before Alpha and I jumped on here. Uh, again, thank you if you're live, listen after the fact, like, comment, subscribe, do what you got to do. Uh, back tomorrow night, there'll be the catch-all Thursday night podcast that uh, Raj and Liam are doing. Friday Smackdown I think Saturday we all finally take a break there's finally no podcast for a night uh so a rest needed for the entire wrestling podcast staff but it's been a wonderful week thanks everybody for the support Alfred thank you as always we'll be back next Wednesday as dynamite comes from New Orleans we'll see what happens